So I have the unique privilege of being able to deliver a message that you've already read. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's good. Hopefully I'll be able to add a little bit to it. Um, it wasn't kind of the way I planned it, but I didn't get done in time in order to get the slides made up. And so we thought, you know, make sure we have the material available. So fasting, this is the subject everybody wants to come and talk about as much as they do tithing, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to starve my body. Awesome. As I thought about this, I thought, okay, God, I just, I want to do whatever I can do to help demystify the subject, to help prepare us as a people to have a genuine move of God in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, in our nation. I believe God really, really wants to work, and I believe fasting is part of what he wants to do. But let's be honest, most of us don't know an awful lot about it, right? Some of us do, and some of us don't. So I'm going to try to talk through a little bit of those bugs. Before we start, um, let's just, I, just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to just open your heart, open your mind, let you hear his voice, what he would have to say to you. Father, as I present these words, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Power of the Most High, overshadow me. Don't let anything that is said or done be for my own glory or kingdom, but let it only reflect you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Demystifying fasting. See, here's the thing. This isn't something we talk about an awful lot, right? Y'all have conversations with your coworkers about fasting? They probably look at you like you're crazy. So we don't talk about a lot. I can assure you there's people in the church that fast on a regular basis, but you might not know that. Because we don't talk about it an awful lot. And I think we probably should. I think it would be good for us as a body to do it. Now, sometimes, you know, maybe, I don't know, people are afraid because they feel like they're going to look more spiritual or like they, they feel like they're... And, and remember that passage in, in, in Matthew where Jesus is talking. He says, when you fast, don't, don't try to make it obvious to everybody around you. You know, when you do it, do it in secret. And so we think we're not supposed to talk about it, right? Um, but in that same section, he talks about prayer in the same way. He says, your prayers, I mean, you know, don't, don't make a public show of it, but we talk about prayer, right? Especially in this church, we talk about prayer a lot. So I think it's okay. Um, you know, there's not that many Americans that, that fast on a regular basis. And let's be honest, it kind of seems legalistic, right? It seems like, oh, this is one of those things that was, you know, this, those, I don't know, legalistic people do. There's another thing that plays in here, and this is the whole concept of Gnosticism and dualism. And this might not mean much to you. But to put it in context of what, during Jesus' day, there was this group called Gnostics, the Gnostics, and they believed that there was this separation between physical and spiritual, and that the spiritual was good, but the physical was bad. And these guys were alive at the time of Jesus, and so some of the, the epistles that Paul wrote when you, in, in John, when you're reading them in the New Testament, some of the things they said were directly written to combat this theory. Because in God's mind, there is not this dichotomy. The body is wonderful. This is how God created us in his image with a body. But, but there is, even today, there's this mindset that the flesh is evil and the spirit is good and I have to mortify the flesh and all that kind of stuff. And so we kind of get a little bit mixed up in some of that. Um, and, and so I want to try to work through a little bit of that. Um, let's, let's look at the big picture. The big picture of what, how fasting fits in the whole thing. And I want to start 
this isn't actually in your notes. I actually give you something that's not in your notes. Ooh, how about that? I want to read a little bit from, from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, For everything there is a season. There's a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones. A time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search. A time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate time for war, and a time for peace. And the, the point here is, life, you have different things that you have to do at different times in life. And fasting fits into that big picture. Our, our, our body, mind, and spirit are all a part of our spiritual walk. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, in, in his, in his uh, benediction, Paul says to them, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So this isn't just a spiritual thing. It is, it, it's a physical thing as well. And fasting fits into this. Fasting is one of the, the disciplines, the disciplines of the Christian life. What you'll notice, and I, I kind of created a list of these disciplines, and there's some of them that are called the disciplines of abstinence. That's when we go without something. And then there's others that are the disciplines of engagement. And you'll notice that they kind of balance each other. So if you look at this list, the first one is in abstinence is solitude. It's good for us as individuals to have some time away, some time by ourselves. But you know what? It's good for us to be in community. It's good. So one's not better than the other. And a balanced life is one that knows how to embrace both, knows how to walk with both. So silence and worship, sometimes you need to just shut up. I even need to shut up sometimes. I know, hon. I know. I know. <laughs> and sometimes you need to worship. Sometimes you need to pray. A healthy, balanced person are going to have both. Um, so I'm not going to go through every one of those disciplines, but fasting fits into this. Fasting is a discipline of abstinence, of withholding from something. And it's balanced by feasting. And you know what? Feasting is spiritual. Feasting is godly. There are feasts in the Old Testament. Feasting is a time to come together and to be thankful for food God gave us that we can share together. And so they're both wonderful. They're both wonderful. Over history, we kind of have forgotten in the Christian realm how valuable fasting is. And and so I want to try to, to... to bring us back to that. You know, fasting is something that really has been practiced throughout history in most Christian, most, among most Christians, throughout most times, throughout every part of the world. But just in the last hundred or so years, especially in America and the West, it's kind of fallen into disrepute. Now, you still have, like in the Catholic Church, you still got Lent, right? So you got it here, you know, so like, what is it, on Fridays we only eat fish or something like that? I, I, I you know, I, I wasn't ever Catholic, but I've known many, you know. <laughs> um, you know, in, in Lent, actually, if you go back historically, it started out as a 40-day period. Sound familiar? A 40-day period of, of withholding from food. And it doesn't mean necessarily all food, but a lot of food. But then little by little, people kept saying, yeah, yeah, but can you do this? Can you make this change? And so, you know, little change, little change, little change. And, and so it kind of got whittled down to, you know, say, okay, what are you going to give up for 40 days? So, okay, I'll, 
you know, I'll, I'll give up my radio for 40 days. Okay, there you go. There's Lent, you know. <laughs> it kind of got denigrated to something that was a lot smaller than it really should be. What's interesting is, even though within the Christian realms, fasting is something that we do less than we used to and something we talk about less, and actually recent years, I think it has picked up again. But in the secular world, they talk about fasting a lot. I, I've done a lot of research into, into health and fitness and, and, you know, and one of my issues is longevity. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and lay it out so you can think I'm crazy. My goal is to be 120 years old when I die. That's my goal. That's what I, you know, it, it says, okay, I know, I know you, this is crazy theology right here, but when God was speaking to Noah, he said man's days are 120 years. So I'm, you know what? I'm claiming that. I'm claiming that. That's my goal. So I've done a lot of research into what it takes to be able to get there. And you know what one of the things they tell you to do? Fast. Fast. And I read that and I thought, really? Come on. Let me do the other things. (laughs) Well, it's part of it. It's part of it. And there's some reasons for that. Um, I would love to go ahead and delve into the whole physical aspect of it, but I decided today we don't have time for that. Um, So we're going to try to zero in on, on what the Bible has to say about it. Let me give you just a little bit of my story. Um, I was in a really, really good youth group when I was in high school. And our church, I mean, just great kids, great leaders, just a really, really good thing. Well, our church had a time where a guy came in and did a seminar. It was like a week-long seminar. His name was John Burnham, and he did this seminar that was called Family Focus, I think was the name of it. And he taught about a whole bunch of different subjects, but one of the subjects was fasting. And he talked about that a lot. I was about 14 or 15 years old at the time. In our youth group, we got together afterwards, and we talked about all those things. And, and I started doing it. I started doing it. I started fasting one day a week when I was in high school. And I continued doing it, and I went into college. And, and you know, there's certain things that he taught you, and I'll say them right now so I don't forget, you know, later on. But, like, one of the things that I really, really remember sticking in my head was when you're going without food and um, you start to feel hunger, use that as your cue to pray. Anybody familiar with that idea? So like hunger pains, pray, and then you pray. So therefore you pray more, right? Win, 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 win. And um, so I did that throughout um, high school and into college. I went to Bible college right out of high school. And while I was there, um, we started getting into more detail. I think um, me and my brother and maybe some other people sometimes would involve ourselves in longer, like maybe three-day fasts and things like that. There's one point in time when I decided that I was going to do a 40-day fast. Total fast. I'm not talking like, you know, 40 days without dessert. You know, I'm talking about like a total, just water only fast. So I set out for it and I did it. And um, let me tell you, it's hard at the beginning. When you do these types of things, it's, it's not easy because you get to about day two and you're just like, like thinking about food all the time. And then you, night two, when you're laying in bed, you know what you're dreaming about? Food. Yeah. And then day three, and it just, it's, it, it's like, it's everything you think about because you want it so bad. It, it does get a little bit better once you get past a certain stage. But doggone it, here's what happened. Um, we were going to get some oranges from Florida. So like all the people on our floor ordered oranges. And on day eight, guess what came in? Those oranges. And I was doing pretty good. I think I could, I don't know if I'd have made it 40 days or not, but I think I could have gone further. But, man, those oranges, you know, I can't wait. They're going to go to waste, you know? The, the thought to go out and give it to homeless people didn't even come to my mind, you know? It's just like, ah. I mean, this is a box. This is a box of oranges, you know, fresh from Florida. 
we lived in Chicago, you know, and it's the middle of winter. So I, I lost my fast. <laughs> so that was that. That was that. Um, since then, fasting has been a normal part of my life. Um, not always, not always, but there's been good portions of my life where I fast a day a week. And, and by that, I mean total, you know, nothing. Um, and then, then there's been periods in my life when I didn't, and I've kind of come and gone. Um, recently, I have got into what is called intermittent fasting, which is where you go through a portion of the day. So generally, about six days a week, Sunday's feast day, so I, get, I, I eat on Sundays. But six days a week, I typically go somewhere between 16 and 18 hours without eating. So, you know, from supper time, go through the night, skip breakfast, skip lunch. And I have, I have more energy than anybody at work, so it's not like I'm sitting here wandering around. Um, and then I'll eat. I'll eat supper. And, I'll, you know, I'm not doing it to constrict calories. I get as much work done food-wise within, you know, five or six hours as y'all do all day. <laughs> okay. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, what I've decided to do since Pastor Donna announced that we were going to do a 40-day fast, I decided to start preparing myself a little bit more. And I started realizing, you know what? On Mondays and Saturdays, we come in here for a prayer. Why don't I just wait until after prayer before I eat? So on those two days of the week, at this point in time, I'm coming into prayer meeting fasted. I've been doing this for about two weeks now. So it ends up turning into after after the is over with, and you usually get something to eat afterwards. And so it turns into a 24-hour fast for me twice a week, and I'm loving it. It's good. It's good. So anyway, that's my background, my story. I don't say any of this to try to make myself sound any more spiritual than anything else, but I've been fortunate to have gotten some good teaching along the way, and I've been fortunate to have some people that supported me along the way in this, that we could walk this journey together. And, and my hope is that we as a people will continue to do this. Let's just... T- to quickly talk about some of the purposes of fasting. Um, number one, it's to strengthen your spirit. To the, the thing is that we... So I'm going to get into what I believe life is all about. We're the dust of the earth, right? We're the dust of the earth. God created man out of dust. We're, we're physical atoms. We're made up of atoms and molecules. We're made up of physical things, and we're we're connected to the earth, to the ground. We're connected to this rock that circles around the sun, and because of that, we're very, very physical. But God's desire has always been to interject his glory into this world, to take the physical universe and to make it spiritual, and he chose to do this through us, through man. That's what he did. Isn't the worms, it isn't the birds, it's, it's not the animals that walk around, it's us. God put man, created man and woman in his image to walk the face of the earth, to be filled with God, to be filled with the life of God, and so doing, bring glory to the entire world. I call it glorified dust, or the dust of the earth that he chooses to glorify us. I don't know about you, but that's, that's moving to me. And, and, our problem is, as human beings, we have this tendency to kind of resort to the physical, to feel like the physical world is all there is. And trust me, there's a whole lot of people walking around as if the physical reality is the only thing that matters. And when you do that, you live within the confines of scarcity because the world is a finite world and there's only so much to go around. But when you live in the spiritual realm, you live within the confines of abundance because there is no limitation with God. And this is, fasting fits into a context of a number of different things. Tithing is another one. With tithing, we make this crazy, ridiculous decision 
to go without some of what we could be having, to give it to God, and we find out that he blesses us more than we would have otherwise. So it's, it's a decision to go without what we really would rather have in the physical universe in order to enter into the spiritual realm so that we could get blessing. And if you get nothing more from the message that I say today, take that. Take that because this, this is about deepening our relationship with God and learning how to walk in the spirit, learn how to live in the spiritual realms. It's about weakening the attachment to the physical realities in order to open ourselves up. And it's about learning to love God. Um, this is what I write in here. Love God for lo- God alone and not for the benefits and blessings he gives us. You know, if you're married... Do you want your spouse to love you because of the goodies you give them? Or do you want them to love you because they love you? I mean, this is a no-brainer, right? That's what God wants. And sometimes it's, it's good for us to realize that it's not all the goodies that makes God awesome. God is awesome even with nothing. And so Job, think. remember the story of Job, um, you know, Job, you know, he's doing great. He was wealthy. He had all kinds of stuff. He had lots of wonderful children. And then Satan came and said, yeah, yeah, take that away. And I bet he won't. And so, you know, took all that stuff away. And he was sick and he lost his kids and he lost his wealth. And he said, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Job learned something. He, he worshiped God despite not having stuff. And that's, that's kind of what this is. It's kind of what this is. So I don't know. Is this demystifying it a little bit? I don't know. Hopefully we're getting there. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, the, the very first commandment in Scripture is about fasting. Did you know that? Did you know that? Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Uh, after God makes the man, and place, it says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. So he gave, a, he gave a command of feasting and fasting. He said, feast. Look at these blessings. Look at these blessings. Feast. Enjoy it. Love it. Celebrate it. Be thankful. Be thankful for it. And then he says, this, don't. Don't feast. Don't feast on this. And it's just like, believe it or not, that's about fasting. That's about withholding from one particular thing of earth that we could be doing. And it looked good. It was pleasing to the eye, and it gave wisdom, all kinds of good reasons to do it. God said, no, 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 no. Take what I give you. Be thankful. Run with it. So, okay, so I'm going to run through some of the reasons for fasting that we find in the Bible. It's on page two if you got the notes there. Number one, fasting is a type of intercession. At this point, like, we're going to just do lots and lots and lots of scriptures, okay? So just uh, fasten your seatbelts, and we're just going to go through these. It, it's, it's a way of, of praying. So look at Nehemiah 1, verses 3 and 4. Nehemiah found out that things were going bad back in Israel. Nehemiah was over in, in, in uh, not Babylon, um, he was in Persia, right? Anyway, he said, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the Lord God of heaven. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. So 
it accompanied prayer. It amplified his prayer. There's another case. This is in Ezra chapter 8. It says, There by the Ahava Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from our enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him. But his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us. And he heard our prayer. He heard our prayer. So one of the purposes of fasting, and these, I'm not giving you every verse, okay? I'm giving you a lot. And I'm doing this intentionally because I want you to realize this is all through scripture. Fasting is not just like a little itty bitty thing that just shows up one time. This is all through scripture. So I'm giving you a lot, but it, it's, it's a type of intersection. It, it, it's a part of what we do to cry out to God. Number two, fasting helps us elevate our spirit to a more prominent place. Um, in, I'm getting this from Romans chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And this is kind of tying into what I said earlier. You know, our, our tendency is to want to relate to earth, to relate downward to the earth and to the physical world and the physical realities. And if that's what we do, that, that's, that's flesh. You know, when we think flesh, yes, we think of sinful nature, right? We think of that, you know, when living by the flesh. But we're also, it, it can simply mean living in the physical, and that's, that's not God's call. God's call is to step above that. And we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. But we can't do that if we're led by the flesh. So one of the things that fasting does is helps us detach ourselves from the physical so that we can become a, more attached to the spiritual. All right, uh, moving on. Fasting deepens our relationship of love and dependency on God. And this is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. God is describing, this is, this is Moses when he's a, He's given his sermon to the people of Israel as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. He's, he's reminding them of their history and what God's been doing from them. And so he's talking about those 40 years in the wilderness. And he says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. And then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Fasting helps us get there. It helps us realize we need more to life than just the physical. We need the spiritual. And fasting is a way of crying out to God saying, "I I want the spiritual. And Jesus quoted this when he was fasting for 40 days in the wilderness and, and Satan came and started tempting him and Satan said, you know what, I know you're hungry. Why don't you take these rocks and turn them into bread because you're Jesus and you can do stuff like that. And uh, Jesus said, no, he quoted this. He says, man does not live on bread alone but on every word from the mouth of God. He was there to hear the voice of God. He was there to hear God in a new and deeper and a better way. And he didn't want that to be disturbed. So fasting is about deepening your relationship with God. Um, D, fasting helps us discern God's will. I'll give you a couple of verses here. Um, first one is in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is that passage that we, we love to talk about because this is when Jehoshaphat was going up against all kinds of enemies. There's like 100 zillion people on the other side and they were all scared to death. And then, you know, they just went out and praised God. 
and then God did the victory, you know, and, and we love, especially as a worship leader, you know, I love to quote this because it's about praise, right? It's about worshiping God and let God do the battles for us. But sometimes we miss the fact that this kind of started out with fasting. So when this, this huge mega army showed up to attack them, it says Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So they did that, and then it continues. And all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of blah, blah, blah. There you will not even need to fight. I didn't know how to pronounce Jerry well or whatever. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So fasting opened the door for God to speak through this prophet. It's the only time we really see anything about this prophet. This is this, this time. Who knows? You know, maybe this is the only time they ever prophesied, but fasting opened up the word of God, gave them direction, told them what to do. And if it had not been for that, perhaps they would have gone out and tried to fight in their own strength, right? And lost, and lost. Acts chapter 13, verses two and three. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them, sent them on their way. So God revealed, set these people aside. He, he gave them direction. He gave them wisdom. Fasting is affiliated with repentance, which we, we saw in the video. Um, by the way, Tom, you know, that guy's voice was just so deep and resonant. He's, he sounded so man. Can you make me sound more manly? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he just sounded great, didn't he? It's like, yeah. Anyway, okay. There, we better know. All right. <laughs> Okay, so Jonah, you know the story of Jonah. He's called to go to Nineveh, the, the capital of Assyria. These guys were terrible. Assyrians were cruel. They were, they were like the worst people in the world, like in the history of the world. They, they, they would, yeah, the, the things they did were just horrible. So nobody liked them. And then God says to Jonah, you know what? I want you to go to preach them. Jonah said, I don't want to preach them because I know that you're forgiving. I know that you're, <laughs> I don't want to do this. So you're Anne. You know, we all know this story. And then he gets swallowed by the fish and spit back up on the land. And so finally he goes to them and he, he tells them, you know, God is going to come and judge the city. He gives this terrible, terrible message. And so here's what it says in Jonah 3, 5 through 10. And, and the Ninevites believed God. Yeah. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on ashes. And look, we're not asking you to do that for the next 40 days. We're not talking about ashes and stuff like that, okay? We're just talking about fasting. Just so you know, we're, you know, we're dumbing it down just a little bit, all right? <laughs> all right, where am I? Where am I? Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let no man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink. Furthermore, let both man and beast be covered with sackcloth. So they had the cows out there wearing sackcloth too. How about that? 
and have everyone call out earnestly to God. Let each one turn from his evil ways and from the violence in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways, he relented. These horrible, evil, terrible people that deserved to be destroyed, they repented. And fasting was a part of that repentance. Fasting was a part of that repentance. They were showing how serious they were. They were showing how torn apart they were. All right. Whew. Got time to keep going? (laughs) Okay. I'll try to keep going faster here. Here's another thing. You become more receptive to God speaking to you through your senses when you remove the interference. Now, I'm going to, this is, this is going to sound weird to some people, okay? It's going to sound weird. That's okay. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. This is where he's talking about people that needed to mature and they hadn't. So, you know, they needed solid food. And he says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That word for senses, that means, ready for this? Senses. That means sight, sound, taste, smell, touch. Is that freaky or what? I didn't learn that in Sunday school when I was a kid. (laughs) This is something I came across, I don't know, a few years ago, and I looked up the word and I said, God, is that really what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. See, here's the thing. What does it mean to be spiritual? Does it mean that we find a way to step outside our body and enter? No, we encounter God through our bodies. We encounter him. We, we, We do communion. Communion is a physical act that has spiritual connotations. We do baptism. Baptism is a physical act that has spiritual connotations. God ministers to us through our senses. Some of you know this, and some of you think that I'm insane, okay? But I'll give you some examples. There have been... There have been, I think, three times that I've heard an audible voice from God. That's all. Not a lot. Not a lot. But three times. Enough for me to know that I can believe you when you say that happens. I've seen some visions. Not very many. Not very many. But I've seen things. Enough for me to believe when you say that you, 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 know, you see this thing with the storehouses of heaven with, heaven with weapons all lined up that the angels are getting ready. I believe you. I believe you see it. Because I know... I know that those experiences were real. I have, I've seen demons about four times where I've actually seen them. And I've known they were there. And I, know, I knew what they were. Again, I'm expecting that someday these things are going to be regular. But for now, I'm learning. I'm learning how to grow in discernment. Okay, how many of you think I'm crazy? <laughs> how many of you think I'm right on target? I'm, I'm just curious. Okay, okay, okay. Um. I have smelled cancer twice. I've smelled it. My son tells me that my grandson, that's his son, has told him before that he can tell that a person is sick, like a person around him has some sort of ailment. 
because he can smell it. Okay, you got that too. Yeah, yeah. God speaks through us through our senses, all five of them. But if we're all clouded up with garbage, it's hard for God to speak to us that way. You know, when you see those people up there that sometimes have words of knowledge and you wonder, oh, how do they know that? Is it God speak? Sometimes they feel it. Sometimes they'll feel a certain part of their body and know that God's about to heal that part of the body. Not everybody gets this, but some do. Some do. And I'm convinced that if we learn how to make our spirit rule over our bodies, we are going to be better at discernment. And becoming better at discernment puts us in a better position. How did Jesus know? How did Jesus know the things he did? If anybody tells me because he's God, then you're, you, you got that one wrong. That's not Because it says in Philippians 2 that Jesus laid aside his divinity when he became a man. He laid aside his divine attributes. Everything that Jesus did on the earth was through the power of the Holy Spirit and learning how to listen to the voice of God and walking the same as you and me. And Jesus said, he said, everything I've been doing, greater works, right? So the way we operate is exactly the way he operated. So how did he know? You know, how did he know there's a fish out there with a coin in it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God showed him. Maybe he smelled something. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Whew. <laughs> you don't know something else? This is an interesting thing that I think that we should take really seriously. Demons. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm walking around too much. See, I'll try to be better. I'll, I'll stand in here. Um, <laughs> Demons want to inhabit a body, right? Jesus said this. He said this. They're spirits. And those of us who have been studying Michael Heiser have come to realize that they're the, they're the spiritual remains of the dead Nephilim, the dead giants from back then. Their bodies were killed. Their spirits still are alive. And they still experience all of those cravings and all of those emotions that they experienced when there were these horrible, evil, murderous, gluttonous creatures walking around the earth. They still experience them. So when you're demonized... And you're experiencing emotions. My belief is that you're simply experiencing their own desires. That's what you're doing. You're experiencing them. So you might have a, a demon of lust, and it's because they were lustful. They're looking for a body so they can be able to experience that because our spirits need a body. Our spirits need a body. So if demons want so bad to inhabit bodies so they can do their stuff, think about how much power we have on earth. Think about that. We are spirits. We are sons and daughters of God who he's given us a body so that we can carry out the work of God. So I hope that you realize that this whole dualistic thing about how the spirit is good and the body is evil, I hope you realize that's false. I was going to use a stronger word, but we're in church. (laughs) Wow. I don't know. For me, this stuff just blew me away as I was. So I want to give you some verses. Um, and every single one of these verses, I'm going to acknowledge right up front, there is applications other than fasting, okay? There, th- th- these, these all have applications that have a lot of different, uh, different points and different purposes. But I want you to think about each of these verses within the context of fasting. And I hope that you'll realize that 
fasting can be a way you apply these verses, okay? And if you're like me, once you see this, it's like, how did I not see this before? All right, Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What if he meant it literally? Right? Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. What if fasting is a way of applying this? By giving up food for a portion of time, I am sacrificing to God. And it's the sacrificing acceptable and pleasing to God, and through that he transforms our mind. Right? That's what it says. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.24, Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And yes, we know that Paul was persecuted. We know that. We know that. We know he's talking about, you know, I mean, you know, they tried to, you know, they tried to kill him like a thousand different ways, okay? And he kept living. <laughs> you know, nothing could tear. But you could apply this to fasting. You could apply this to fasting. You could, you could walk through with the understanding that I am sacrificing for the good of the body physically, in a physical way. All right, let's keep going here. Um, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather the will of God. I'm, since you guys have got this, you can take them home and you can... I'd just like you to meditate on these. And during the period of the 40-day fast, I want you to take some of these verses back out. And I didn't put them all down. There's more. There's more. I'm trying to be nice to you here. 1 Corinthians 9, 25, it says, All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. How do you do that? How do you discipline your body in a spiritual way? Right? Otherwise, I fear that after preaching in others, I might myself be disqualified. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. We now have this light, the glory of God, shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. So this is a picture of our physical body containing the glory of God. The fragile clay jars are our body. The glory of God is what's contained in it, okay? This makes it clear that our great power is not from God, or I'm sorry, is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, and that could mean fasting, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Anybody want resurrection power? This is one avenue for that. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited here. Second Corinthians six sixteen it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day for light momentary troubles, which might mean hunger, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 
How about this one, Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Here's one that I didn't put in here. I'm going to let you guys read the others on your own later. Okay? And just ask the Holy Spirit to speak. Here's one I didn't put in there. This is John 6. Jesus says, my flesh is real. Anybody know how that finishes? My flesh is real food. That word real, you know what that means? Real. (laughs) True. Actual. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. I don't necessarily think this is saying transubstantiation, which is the Catholic belief that the bread and the blood and the wine become Jesus' literal physical body. I don't I don't believe that. But I do believe that there is something true and something genuine and something real about feasting on Jesus. And if we're feasted pretty well on the things of this earth, it becomes harder to feast on Jesus. This is actually something I pray. Not always, not every day, but when I go in the Word and I'm studying, and just when I'm praying, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, Jesus, I'm feasting on you. I'm feasting on your life. I think C.S. Lewis, I don't have the exact words of the quote, but C.S. Lewis basically says something like, humans are a, a being that was created to be fueled by the life of God. I know I've messed up the words terribly, you know, so don't sue me on the internet there. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it's true. We're, we're designed to be fueled by the life of God. All right. So I, I've given you all this to help you realize fasting is normal. Fasting is normal Christianity. Fasting is healthy. It's good. I didn't go into all the physical aspects, but it's really, really good for you. Now, before I go any further, I want to make sure to make a disclaimer, Okay. There are medical conditions that for some people would mean that you should not do this, you know. And um, if you think you're in one of those categories, make sure to talk to a doctor. Hopefully you'll find one that actually does believe in fasting. (laughs) Hopefully you will. Um, And there are different ways that you can do it. I mean, you you don't have to completely go without food. There's there's other ways of doing it. All right, let's get practical. Um, If you do start fasting, and I'm hoping that all of you do, um, our diet and the typical American diet, we live on sugar all day, all day. I was doing some research on this, and they, they said the average American consumes 22 teaspoons of sugar a day on average. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. They say it's about 100 times more than Americans did like 200 years ago. So that's a lot. And, and, and you don't have to actually be drinking like Coca-Cola or something like that to, to get it. I mean, just about anything that you buy, if it's processed and packaged, there's sugar in it. Just about anything. Not only that, but, I mean, if you eat a lot of the starches and stuff like that, they break down into sugars immediately, and so you're living on sugar. And so the reason that it's hard for most Americans to try to start fasting is that we don't know how to burn fat. We, we only know, and, and our bodies are amazing. God, you know, God created us in an amazing way. We can, we can survive in all kinds of different circumstances. When you, when you go throughout the earth, Oh, I'm walking. I'm walking a lot again. I'm right, steep. Sorry, they put it down. Uh, <laughs> when, when you uh, when when you go throughout the earth, there's some cultures that live on meat alone, <laughs> like almost nothing but meat, uh, and some that live on like nothing but grains. I mean, the, and 
they all seem to manage to survive one way or another. Um, but things have changed here. Things have changed here. And you know, if, if you're not aware of the fact that our food source is not a healthy food source, and if you're eating just what everybody else is eating, um, you don't know how to burn fat. And so if you would like to get into fasting and would like to be successful in fasting, a suggestion, and I, I, I came across this in a book that I'm reading right now called Eat, Fast, Feast. Okay, and that's what, you know, it's, it's written by a Catholic author. It's fantastic. Eat, Fast, Feast. Uh, it just came out this year. But he recommends that you do a keto diet for the first week. So you, in a keto diet, y'all want to share this? <laughs> a keto diet, basically, you're, you're trying to eliminate carbohydrates as much as possible and live mostly on fat. Mostly on fat. You see, there's these myths that we've been taught for several decades that fat is bad. And fat is what makes you fat. And it turns out that carbohydrates are what make you fat. And fat is actually an incredible source of energy, an incredible source of food. Um, you got to eat the right kinds of fat. You know, there, there are certain ones that are better than the other, and I'm going to be careful not to go too deep into this. You can research it, okay? <laughs> you can research it. But um, if your grandma would recognize it, you can eat it, okay? If your grandma would know what it was, you can eat it. So, you know, butter and lard, so a whole lot better for you than that you've been told. A whole lot better for you. I love butter, man. I can't stand that other stuff. Okay, sidetrack. Okay. Stay focused, Dan. Okay. Um, so you might need to teach your body to burn fat in order to prepare for this. Uh, second, start by extending the fast that you already do. You know, y'all fast. Do you know that? That's why there's this meal called breakfast. Break fast. You break your fast. Because you go through that night, whether it's eight hours or nine or ten or whatever, you go through the night and you don't eat anything. So when you eat in the morning, you're breaking your fast. So here's, here's a crazy idea. Why don't you just make it a little bit longer? You know, just make it a little bit longer, a little bit at a time. Maybe add an hour, two hours, one week, and then the next week add a little bit more. I don't expect everybody to be able to just go, you know, 18 hours a day, every day. Every, you know, it took me time to get to that point. It, it, it took time. Okay. <laughs> when you go into a genuine water fast where you're going with that food, you're going to start exposing weaknesses. And you need to know this, okay? Things are going to get ugly. Husbands become crabby sometimes when they fast. Am I right, Debbie? The ugliness comes out, and you're going to have a choice what to do with that ugliness. You're going to, you can pretend that it's not real, or you can, like, listen to it. So here's, here's true confession time. One of the TV shows that I like is Naked and Afraid. And it, if you haven't watched it, this is, a better, this is better than you think because they blur out all the parts that, you know, would normally be behind a swimming suit. Um, but uh, so here's what you do. They take one man and one woman and they send them out into some hostile wilderness environment with no food. They only each get like one thing. So they can take a knife or a fire starter or something like that. And that's all. And they got to make it 21 days on their own with nothing. And, you know, they all start out, you know, it's, it's funny because they'll always show the interview. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to, you know, whatever. You know, they're, they're doing all this trash talk to the wilderness as if, you know, as if they're trash talking it anywhere. And anyway, they get in and they go for a day and they haven't been able to get their fire started. And therefore, they're not able to boil any water. And so they're not able to get it, you know, and, and then they can't find any food. And then they start getting hungry. They turn into jerks. They become horrible people. They start criticizing and attacking and all, and they become ugly people. And this is going to happen to you. 
if you try to do a long-term fast, this is going to happen to you. I'm just giving you a heads up so that you're not surprised. And so you don't end up with a divorce certificate, you know, coming in the mail, okay? <laughs> this, this happens. And, and what happens on the show is if the people maintain their pride and say, ah, I'm, I'm fine. I'll make it through. They probably are going to have trouble. But if they humble themselves and realize, you know what? I need to be different than I was. I need to be different. They usually succeed. And this is going to be the same for you. See, God is going to bring stuff up. This is one of the reasons for fasting. We want to get to know God. He's going to bring some stuff up. All right. We've done a lot. You got a little bit more in there. You can read on your own. I want to Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is about deepening our relationship with God, right? Now, there, there's some different things. You know, Pastor Donna has said this, and, and I'll really emphasize. We do not expect everybody in this church to go 40 days without any food. Well, there may be nobody in the church that does that, and that, that does not mean failure. You may set out and you try to do something, and you know, let's say, I'm going to go three days, and you make it two days. You know what you should do? You should celebrate the two days that you made it. You should celebrate because here's what I've found. I have fallen short of my goals many, many, many times when fasting. But every time I've tried an extended fast, God has blessed me in ways that I did not expect. And this is going to happen to you. This is going to happen to you. So keep the main thing on the main thing. It's about deepening relationship with God. It's a dance with God. I think it's kind of interesting because fasting that we're doing a 40 days, and that kind of reminds me of the 40 years in the wilderness for the people of Israel. And you know what? They had some good times and they had some bad times. They had some times when they were kind of faithful. And then they had some times when they just absolutely blew it. And God just wanted to, you know, incinerate them. And Moses would cry out and intercede for them and protect them, and God would let them live. Uh, They had their ups and downs, and this is going to be the way with you. This is going to be the way with us. We're going to have some successes and failures. And you know what? We're family, right? We're family. So it's okay. We love you. We love each other. It's okay. It's okay. Lord God, this is a weird subject for a lot. This is a difficult subject. It's one that we haven't talked about an awful lot, but it's one that is in your word. It's one that you want to breathe your spirit into the bones of our body. This is what you want to do. Lord, I pray for each person, not only those who are here, but all who are watching. Pray that you'll speak to us. Help us to hear from you what it is you want us to do. Help us to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that this will be the beginning of an entirely new way of relating to you for many, many, many people. Because this world needs a body of Christ that's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what we need. So Lord, we lay ourselves before you. We pray for your wisdom. Pray for your leadership. Pray for your guidance. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.